0: This is Shi'ar Jashub, coming to you from Shi'ar Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and our church fellowship welcomes you to today's Bible lesson taught by my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo. We have been going through the Bible in a series we've entitled Heavenly Authority, and Pastor Greg is currently in 1 Samuel chapter 9 in the account of how Saul is anointed as Israel's first king by Samuel. Saul meets the prophet as Samuel is coming out of the city on his way up to the high place where there is to be a sacrifice and a meal. And this prompted pastor to discuss the significance of the high places in the Old Testament, especially as they relate to pagan religious practices as well as the prohibition against them in Deuteronomy chapter 12. When we left off last time, Pastor Greg jumped ahead in time to young King Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 3 to further develop our understanding. Now let's rejoin the Sunday Sermon.
1: And Solomon loved the Lord walking in the statutes of his father David, except, he was just like David, except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. And it's implied here there's something wrong in that. But then it says in verse 4, Now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for there was the great high place, the great high place in Gibeon. So you have Gibeon, which is six miles northwest of Jerusalem, called at this point the great high place. You also read in First Chronicles, keep your hand over here, we'll go back to this. In First Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 39, And Zadok the priest and his brethren the priests before the tabernacle of the Lord at the high place that was at Gibeon. In chapter 21, verse 29, for the tabernacle of the Lord and the altar of the burnt offering, which Moses had made in the wilderness, were at that time at the high place in Gibeon. So what happens, the actual tabernacle made at the time of Moses winds up after the fall of Shiloh in this high place northwest of Jerusalem, Gibeon. Different high place where Samuel is but in the time of David, another high place where they would go to, the great high place. And then 2 Chronicles chapter 1 and verse 3, the sister passage to what we're reading in 1 Kings, it says, And Solomon and all the assembly with him went to the high place that was at Gibeon, for the tabernacle of meeting with God was there, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, had made in the wilderness. But David had brought up the ark of God from kijat to the place David had prepared for it, for he had pitched a tent for it at Jerusalem. That's when he brings the ark to Jerusalem. So the ark is in a tent, a special tent that David sets up. But the rest of the tabernacle, including the altar of burnt offerings, is over in Gibeon on a high place. And you go back to 1 Kings, Chapter 3, verse 4, the king went to Gibeon, Solomon, to sacrifice there. And it says, at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. It says Solomon, in verse 4, offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. And that's when God comes to him and asks him what he wants. And he said he wants wisdom to be able to rule over the people. So God accepts the sacrifice from Solomon at the high place of Gibeon this temporary location for the tabernacle while they're building, constructing the temple. But back here, at this point, the temple's not being built. At this point, people are worshiping at different high places, and Samuel himself goes up to a high place and makes the offering, and it appears that God blesses it because he gives him revelation. He'll give him revelation of what to do with Saul. He's been giving him revelation all along as he goes on his circuit ride throughout Israel. And you have to say why? If the high places were bad, why was this allowed for Samuel to do such? Well, remember, Samuel's not a an ironical priest, he's a priest in the order of Melchizedek. Two people walk up a mountain. One is a pantheist a nature worshiper. That man goes up there, and any imagination he has about nature, evolution or whatever, he sees it in that mountain. Then the Christian goes up that mountain, and he looks over the sight and the wonderful creation, and what does he think of? How majestic is thy name, O God. How great are you that you created all this beauty. And they see the handiwork of the one true God. So what to one is a stumbling block, to another is a place of true worship to God. In Israel, when you said these different high places, they would go off on any direction that your imaginations would bring you. Any thought that would come to your mind. That's how paganism starts. Idolatry starts slowly. You know, a little bit of what comes off the ark and then it gets distorted and the truth of God becomes diluted and then pagan gods are made and, and false religions arise. And they look and they say, look at this beautiful mountain. All is one, God is one, God is in all. And they do not honor the Lord God. And that mountain becomes a stumbling block. The idea of Jerusalem, the idea of Shiloh, the idea of the ironical priesthood was to keep the people from going off in all directions. And every thought, whim of imagination, paganism, going astray, everyone doing what they want to do, everyone thinking, I can worship God my way. There are many ways to God. How many times you hear that on television? There are many ways to God. You go to God your way, I go to God my way when the scripture says what? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to the Father except through him. But you shall seek the place, the place, where the Lord your God chooses out of all your tribes to put his name for his dwelling place, and there shall you go. But to Samuel, the man of God, Yahweh is central in his heart. He's not a priest in the order of Aaron. He's a priest in the order of Melchizedek. And he's the one uniting Israel in the worship of Yahweh. This is like when Abraham comes in. Abraham is not a Levite because there's no Levites at that time. And Abraham would go this place and he'd build an altar and worship God. Noah comes off the ark, he builds an altar, he worships God. Isaac builds an altar and he worships God. And in Genesis chapter 31... And verse 54, Then Jacob offered a sacrifice on the mountain and called his brethren to eat. And they ate bread and stayed all night on that mountain. And you see again how they eat. There's a communion meal here, right? The people are waiting to eat. As Samuel comes and blesses, they're having a communion, a fellowship with God. It's allowed for this time and this season between the two appointed places because this was a man that God was central in his life, a true worship, but for others, unfortunately, they go astray. Remember that warning against Solomon? He was not like David. He was like David, except for the fact that said in 1 Kings chapter 3, that he offered sacrifices at the high places. Well, later on when you're in 1 Kings, you're going to read about in chapter 11, how It says in verse 6, he does evil. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not fully follow the Lord as did his father David. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, on the hill that's east of Jerusalem, and for Moloch, the abomination of the people of Ammon. And he did likewise for all the foreign gods at the high places. So he has the one true place, the temple he builds in Jerusalem, and then right around it he builds all these high places to these demonic, pagan gods. Moloch, they used to sacrifice their children to Moloch. That's what it means when it says about Solomon. It wasn't bad that he went to Gibeon, where the tabernacle was there, where Zadok the priest was there, to inquire of God. God blesses him and anoints him at that point. But Solomon has a high place kind of tendency where he can kind of worship a lot of different things, a lot of different places. And you see the need for the law, how the law, don't worship in all these different high places, how the law restricts those who have no restraint. The law restricts the rebellious that know not the narrow way. So it tells them there's one place, There's one place you go to worship, lest you become like the pagans, and any time in your mind you want to sacrifice, you just are sacrificed in any which way, any which how, to any which God. But to those like Samuel, who are tightly bound in their hearts to God, who are obedient only to him, the Spirit gives freedom. Samuel is under a period of freedom here. Shiloh and the priesthood have fallen, Eli and his sons have failed, and the people need revival. Samuel is allowed to have this place near his home in Ramah. Matthew Henry calls it the synagogue of the city where they could go and fellowship with God. And the Spirit gives that freedom. And it's not a freedom, it's not a liberty of self-indulgence, of every whim of imagination, of every thought and paganism. To those God gives this freedom of the Spirit are those that recognize the one true way. It's the freedom of the mature who know their God and who will not stray from the one true worship. It's the freedom the Holy Spirit gives to those who will recognize their God whether he is in the one temple in the one chosen city of Jerusalem or whether he's up on a mountain overlooking the Sea of Galilee. To them, freedom is given and they can enjoy the common meal, the communion with their God in a blessed state because in their hearts they are restrained. They know there is one way, one truth, one God, one Lord, one spirit, and they can worship God in any nation, from every tribe, every language. It's as though they were in the temple of Jerusalem. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the freedom you give us in your Holy Spirit. Father God, we pray that the thought of this generation, that every idea, every imagination, every religion is all the same, as they worship in all the different high places, all the different gods of humanism and atheism and New Age and all the rest. Father God, that you would do a work, Father, spiritually to raise up those that will speak against and have the words that will make people come to their senses to tear down those idolatry shrines. That when they look out upon the glory of this creation, which has no glory compared to what you'll remake, when there's the new heavens and the new earth, that they'll see your handiwork, Father, and not the pagan nature worship of our generation. Lord God, let them know the way, the truth, and the life. Let them know there is no other way to go on to the Father except through Yeshua HaMashiach, the Messiah you have given us. In his name we pray, amen.
0: Our address is Shi'ar Jashub, Christian Tabernacle. Post Office Box 518, Brantford, Connecticut 06405. And if you will be in the Madison, Connecticut area, we meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Madison Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane, just off Route 1. Please join us for our next broadcast of Shi'ar Jeshub.